0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 2nd, 2016. Today we are reading from the AA big book, and we will begin reading on the top of page 27, beginning with the second paragraph that begins, the doctor said, You Have the Mind of a Chronic Alcoholic. We'll be reading three paragraphs, and the first two paragraphs are for context, and we'll be sharing on the third paragraph only. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Anita Anita L. For the 12 traditions, Lisa H., and our readers of the text will be Chelsea H. And Martha Z., And the reference number for Monday, February first, two 2016, is 8426. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery Of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Anita, thank you so much for stepping in this morning. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Lisa H., um, Grateful Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Memphis. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa H. How our meeting works. to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then, press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 27, beginning with the paragraph, The Doctor Said You Have the Mind of a Chronic Alcoholic. And please read for us three paragraphs and share on the third paragraph. I will now ask chelsea to begin reading
3: thank you sally thanks for your service i'm chelsea i'm a recovered compulsive eater just for today the doctor said you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic i have never seen one single case recover where the state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you our friend felt like the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang he said to the doctor is there no exception Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to the cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I've been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employ are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description." For um, amplifications, uh, see the appendix, too. Okay, i am um, just set my timer here. So um, for me, all this information here is telling me that I have to have this vital spiritual experience in order to recover. And I'm asking many, many times myself when I was in the rooms trying to find ways how I could control and enjoy my eating, or eat the way I really want to, without suffering the ramifications. And I didn't understand that the real problem lied, lay in my mind, and that as a result, I would keep turning back to the food, no matter how many times I was successful at putting it down. So here we've gotten from Dr. Jung the spiritual side of things, because he has admitted very humbly that they've done all they can do. It says with many of the individuals, the methods that he has been using, and he's a psychiatrist, so we're dealing with the mind right now, is, um, has been successful. So for some people, they were able to go to p- traditional type of eating places that help you to control your eating and stuff and be successful. They weren't an alcoholic of my description. And if you go to the spiritual experience, and I urge you to read that, Uh, very carefully because it explains the definition of what it is and what it isn't and to explain to us that most of us are of the slower variety of coming into our spiritual awakening and um, here it said it suddenly cast to one side so that information in the spiritual experience helps me to continue to make my decision to keep moving forward with the rest of the process because if I don't accept each part as being true of this book and being able to carry me over to the next step, I'm not going to be successful because I have to do it in the order it's in, and I have to follow it the directions as outlined in order to get this vital spiritual experience, which turns out to be deep down inside of me anyway. So we've had two medical men. We've had a a physician who is our great medical physician who has given us the uh, first part of our disease, which is the um, allergy of the body, and, then we have another doctor giving us the obsession of the mind, and the orchestration of the entire thing works around back to Bill, who ends up bringing it all into uh, um, collective reasoning from sharing it with Ebby, um, getting it from Ebby, and then sharing it with Bob, and then taking it on the road after they leave out of the Oxford Group is when they really got started, because the Oxford Group was into conversion, And Bill and them needed to work with all kinds of alcoholics. And alcoholics are not disciplined. They're not interested in conversion. But they needed alcoholics in order to live. So when you look through the spiritual experience, it tells us that there's many different ways to have this emotional rearrangements so that we can get new ideas, emotions, and attitudes which used to guide our lives, and now our lives can be guided by a much higher power than ourselves. And for me, I choose not to call that God, but I do choose to call it my divine director, and for me that works. And I'm grateful for that today. Thanks for letting me share, and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Chelsea. And who else would like to share on this third paragraph? On page 27 this morning. Larry. Barbara D. Larry. Barbara D. Melissa C. Corey A. Jody E. I got Melissa. Jody. Basa O. Basa O.
4: Tina S. Corey
0: Okay. Corey A. Corey, is that what you said?
5: Corey A. Mm -hmm.
0: Corey A. Tina S. Let's go with those. Tina, I got you already. Okay, Alexis H. Excuse me. Let me let me go ahead and go with this first this first group here. Larry, Barbara, Melissa, Jody E, Bassa O, Tina S, and Corey A. Let's go with those first. Okay, we'll we'll come back. Larry, go ahead and get us started.
6: Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader. You know what I, what I, um, what Dr. Young described in Roland Hazard, uh, or described to Roland Hazard. You know, this was something that occurred once in a while. You know, and, and it's happened to me, and and um, and I can say that. And, and Dr. Young described these um, as vital spiritual experiences, as phenomena associated with huge emotional displacements and rearrangements where these these old ideas and emotions and attitudes are cast to one side and, and give way to to new conceptions. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, when I came here years ago, um, I never expected some sort of internal uh, revolution, you know. I mean, at best, I thought, Perhaps I'd benefit from, from getting out of the shadows of isolation and engage in, in what to me was was clearly a a group therapy dynamic. I mean that's that's how I saw it. See that that's what my perceptive lens told me that this thing was. Because I mean the truth for me is is I had in the midst of my addiction, my disease, you know, I knew I had a problem, but I had studied um had the privilege of studying with with a lot of preeminent um uh, psychological theorists on on the workings of of things like group therapy, that whole dynamic, and and there was a lot of research on 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 uh, you know the clinical guidelines of that. And so so for me personally, I came to OA um, fat, um, <laughs> emotionally fat and physically fat. I came to OA with a wealth of of knowledge on on, on clinical, you know, psychological theory. You know, for example, I come here and I knew, or so so I thought I knew, that about a third of all patients beginning group therapy, they're going to drop out unimproved during the first dozen or so meetings. See that's when I, that's why I smiled when I got here, and I heard things like ninety meetings in ninety days, or keep coming back, or don't leave until the miracle happens. I mean miracle. Don't talk to me about miracles, you know. And um, you know, but but I also felt like oh well, you know, if you become you know quickly integrated into the group and and achieve some fast friendships that that somehow that would improve the the. the the efficacy of the experience and lead to a better therapeutic outcome. This this, this was the terminology that I came with. And so here's my point. See, we all come to meetings with our own sense of what we think this is or this isn't. But I'll tell you what, I've learned that you can come here and analyze yourself right out the door. And Dr. Jung was speaking of of a change, a, a vital spiritual experience. That's what happened to me. And so wrapping up, I'll say that, you know, for me, the best thing, you know, was surrender, was 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 finally saying, I don't have a clue, and I'm just going to trust in the process and turn in my debate credentials, you know, that's what I needed to do. And I'm glad that I did that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Larry. And Barbara. Thank Barbara. you. This is Barbara. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, This is a very important um, passage for me when I look at while his religious convictions were very good, in his case they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience because that is my journey. Um, I did all of the things that um, Dr. Jung tried to accomplish with Roland with emotional rearranging through therapy, group therapy, counseling, uh, books, etc. That didn't work. I was a very religious, quote, official religious person, uh, daily church goer, religious schools, religious education, all the rest. That didn't do it. I still would go to church, and was tormented by the disease in body and mind. And I ate after that, and that persisted from a young age through adulthood. And so, coming to OA, I remember one of my first meetings a person spoke about food being God and said, you know, bow down and worship the God. So that was the first real connection in my mind between something really large called the power God. That's what I was calling the power God, and that, that made it clear. So it was very, very much my experience that religion alone didn't do it, Therapy alone didn't do it. I needed the combination of the 12 steps, the experience coming for me, from that. Not for everybody. He even says that's not what everybody needs. But I needed it. I felt that it was like, I think of, I hear Ebby's words, I've got religion to build. I mean, that's what he was calling this experience, religion. And I can remember going to um hygienic retreats frequently to try to dry out and detox and after going back repeatedly the director who was not a religious man was not a 12-step person finally said to me and i said what am i going to do he said maybe you have to get religion he meant as i hear it now the same thing that eddie was saying the same thing that's saying here that vital spiritual experience which people think it only comes from religion not for me. It comes from this 12-step experience in the 12-step way of life. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. And Melissa, you're up. And Jody E., you'll be up next. Hi. Good morning,
7: Sally. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this vital spiritual experience, so um, I think about vital. It's lively. It's living, and, um, and so my spiritual experience has to be complete. It's got to be um, in my life. It can't just be theory and, um, you know, and then these huge emotional rearrangements. Um, you know, I thought that um, if I got really in touch with my emotions, if I, you know, I always thought, well, I'm an emotional leader, so if I somehow really understood my emotions, then um surely that would offer me some relief. And um, you know, for me it just drives home that self knowledge avails me nothing. And um so having emotional, you know, rearrangements means that um, you know, I'm not operating on my emotions anymore. You know, I've I've learned from this beautiful recovery that, um not only, you know, I thought food and weight were my problem, but my problem is my emotions. I'm I'm addicted to myself, to my thinking, my emotional state. You know, when I'm upset, it's all encompassing the center of the universe. And that, for me, is what needed to be changed. That's what needed to be smashed. And, um, you know, and it's just interesting that here the doctor is trying to, he said he was attempting to um, cause these um, enrollments. And, you know, the real thing here is that only God, you know, only my higher power has been able to cause, you know, and and, and have success with these emotional rearrangements. I just need to cooperate. I need to, um, A, put the food down, you know, and B, change everything. And that's really what I hear here, that the rearrangement being we change everything. And so... Today, you know, food and weight are not my problem. In fact, you know, I had a thought this morning. They were my—they were really my solution because they brought me to desperation, and and then I had to change everything. You know, if my weight hadn't gotten out of control,
0: I never would have looked for this
7: type of solution. Thank you. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Melissa. Jody. Jody E. It's your turn, and Vasa, you'll be up next. Good morning, Sally, thank you for your service, and good morning, everyone, this is Jody E. I recovered Galenic in California. So yes, a huge emotional displacement and rearrangement needs to occur for me to have this vital spiritual experience. I uh, came to the rooms of OA in 1988, and the ideas and emotions and attitudes which I had were those of someone who was relying on themselves for everything. And I was in fear. I had ideas that I was, I had to rely on myself. I didn't know how to rely on anything else. My primary emotion was fear. My attitude was that, uh, yeah, I was a failure and that I was doomed and hopeless. And when I came to my very first meeting, I had a spiritual awakening when it was suggested to me that instead of relying on myself for my food problem and every other problem in my life, I could rely on God, a higher power, and that was a revelation to me that a higher power could help me with this very personal problem that I had with food. And not only with food, but also with my ideas, emotions, and attitudes. So it was sudden in that I, I did have a spiritual awakening. However, only gradually and with time can actually really. At times, I'm able to surrender completely to my higher power, and other times, I take back my control and my fear and my self-reliance. So for me, it's been a process of working these steps to the best of my ability, abstaining from compulsive eating to the best of my ability, and being content with patient progress. I've had tremendous spiritual experiences, and I've fallen away from those spiritual experiences. So every single day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities. Every day I have a choice to make. Am I going to turn my will over to my higher power today, or am I going to take it back? Today I choose to turn it over. i that a battle pass.
4: Thank you. Thank you. And Balsa, you're up next. And Tina, you'll be up right after Bossa. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sally, for your service. And I'm grateful to recover compulsive over either calling from Florida. Okay. It's a beautiful paragraph. I came to my first meeting in October 25, 1986. And my sponsors are make, um, uh, mark your calendar. And that's what I did. I'll never, never forget that day that I came. To my first meeting, and again, by the time I came to my first meeting, I had no problem to admit I was powerless over the food. I was like 150 percent pa- admitted I was powerless over the food. But what I heard number one was I needed to find a power greater than myself to help me. Whatever, whatever was I, it was, I was doing with the food, all the diets and everything else, it just was not working anymore. And this was my last stop. It was my my, my beginning, really. It was my last, but it was the beginning of my new life. I was ready and willing to do whatever I was told to do. I was afraid. I was terrified because I did grow up with a fearful, punishing God. But I needed to take a chance. I needed to take the risk. And I was ready and willing to get on my knees. And I locked my door in the bathroom and I surrendered all heart with all my heart to whatever higher power God, whoever you are, I put the food in your hands, and I asked god for forgiveness and it happened to me. I did have the vital uh the it happened to me the vital experience that moment I was shocked I did not know what had happened to me. I didn't understand, but I knew something good happened inside of me. I felt that connection, you know, a connection. It went like from my like a like electricity, like it went from my head to my heart or through my whole body. And uh, I again, I could not sleep that night. You know, of course, when I got up from saying the, that prayer, I had it in the bathroom. I said, "Oh, I'm going to start this tomorrow." You know. And as I was going in the kitchen to open the refrigerator, the small boys came and said, Vasa, you just surrender. And you put the food in my hands, you can say, you already had your supper. I went back. I could not sleep the whole night. So to me, that was a vital spiritual experience. And that was the time my abstinence started that night, even though the next morning I wanted to get to the food so bad. I wanted to eat so bad, but I kept on going to God. So I, it was surrender to God, and surrender to the 12 steps. So grateful to be here almost 30 years later, and I passed. Thank you, Basa.
0: And Tina, it's your turn. And Corey, you'll be up next.
8: Thanks, Sally, for your service. Tina S. from Florida Compulsive Eater Anorexia. heard some really wonderful things this morning, and, and that's why I continue to study with you all, because every time I hear something that I so totally neat to hear. And, uh, you know, I too had uh, one of these um, huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, you know, my added ideas, emotions, and attitudes. They guided me for a very, very long time and got me a seat, in a Readers Anonymous and other 12-step programs. And so, you know, and, and it says, uh, uh, which guided the forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and completely new set, completely, totally, a whole new set, of um, you know forces that I, that guide me today, and 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 what a phenomena for me, you know. And I also, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I also like that, um, you know, that. Religious convictions were good, but they didn't um, spell the necessary vital spiritual experience because that was a relief for me. You know, I had given up religion a long time ago. So, I, you know, if that was the answer, then I was screwed. And, um, you know, today, uh, you know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, and I just have to continue to remind myself of that because it's just the truth. And I am not the same person I used to be. And it's only because of this. You know, I have tried everything else, and I too came into Oberuters Anonymous in 1987. And, you know, my absent date is 1999 because, you know, Somehow, some way, I was going to eat like a normal person. I was going to try another bad diet. The other whatever was new at the time. And and that just didn't work, you know. And I also came in just thinking that I'd sit by you and maybe I'd get it, you know. And for me, and, you know, just for me, you know, I was in another 12-step program that I knew that I had to practice the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous in order to have a spiritual awakening. And so um, and that's what I have to do here, too. It, it is no different. The answer is always the same. You know, when it talks about child, practicing these principles in all my affairs, whether it's my eating, my drinking, my buying, my sleeping, whatever it is. So anyway, I'm grateful to be here and, and grateful for everybody on the line. With that I kind of Thank
0: you, Tina. And Corey, it's your turn. This is Corey Anis from North Carolina. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, everybody, for being
5: on the line. Um, I actually, the... On the Friday meeting, right before the end, I had um, uh, had this thought that dovetailed on this paragraph that um, it's a good thing for me, and I hope for everyone else that um, that uh, Bill had a had a sudden spiritual experience. Uh, he didn't have any time to waste, apparently, and the the thing that is that was important to me because I didn't have a sudden spiritual experience was that this book has gone to great pains to explain that there is a a, a longer slower uh path that still the tr- trudging the road to happy destiny the um the thing that I realized on Friday is that Bill had a spiritual experience but had it not been followed by all the steps he took to a spiritual awakening none of us would be here um and that regardless of the shape or the flavor of the spiritual experience, you know, when we first start to get this, um, that I, I recognize that even if I haven't seen the blinding light, there I still have had spiritual experiences and a spiritual awakening. And the day that, you know, the, the day that Bill found his way to, his, to step 12, or however he went, uh, came across that path, but in the interim, he had many spiritual experiences. You know, I'm I'm a, I, The first one may have been the 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 most astounding and the brightest and the and the most bring him to his knees kind of thing. But I guarantee you, uh, well, I can't speak for Bill, but I can speak for me and my own experience. That that no matter what happens that brings us here, the the con, the that brought me here, the continuing my continuing on this path brings me new spiritual experiences every day and they become part of the spiritual awakening and that the on the it's like loving somebody you know being in love with someone or, or loving someone for a really long time hopefully you love them more than you did the day before <clears throat> and less than you will tomorrow and the you know it's it's comforting for me to know that no matter how shaking bill's first experience was that the path to a spiritual awakening contained many, many more experiences like that. And probably each one was better than the next because it was deeper and made more sense. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Who else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Leah? Okay. Leia, is that you,
9: Leia?
0: Uh, Leia yes, it is. Leah, yes, it name. is. Good morning, Leah. Yes, Leah, what's the first initial of your last Mary name? K. S. Got Mary Kay. Yes, I Mary K. Leah, what's the first initial of your last name?
9: Leia S. That doesn't sound
0: S. Right. Okay, Leah S. Then Mary K. Is there anyone else?
9: Alexis H.
0: I heard Sue G. But there was somebody before Sue? Who was that? Alexis H. Alexis H. So nice. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with those four. We'll move on. Leah S., it's your turn.
9: Thank you, Sally. Thank you so much. And thank you. Kudos to Corey um, for trying to explain the spiritual experience, which is what I would like to talk about. In October of 2013, I was abstinent, and I had lost my weight, and I was feeling grandiose and I thought I had had a spiritual experience, but the true spiritual experience came to me at that time, which continues to grow and grow deeper and deeper, and that is when I had lost my abstinence and There was a real reason for losing my abstinence, but that wasn't the point. The point is that while I was trying to eat another slice, all of a sudden it dawned on me all these things that I was doing. What am I doing at this moment? And it just came to me what is going on? It was a whole pie and this is the last slice my goodness what did i do it suddenly came to me everything everything is so so uncontrollable where am i and who am i and that's when it came to me and it it just it just stayed with me and i have never had another unabstinent food or uh, thought in my mind. I mean I try. It's a daily reprieve, but that's when it happened. And it was so big and it was so it just hit me. And with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leia. Mary Kay, it's your turn.
10: Thanks. Good morning everyone. Uh, my name is Mary Kay, I'm grateful I recovered compulsive I'm over just for today. Um, I want to speak also to the the spiritual awakening and recovery. Um because I do think each of us has a little bit different take on it and a little different experience, but grounded too in all the things that we have in common. I know I have had a spiritual experience. Um, most of my life. Um as a small as a small child, um, I accepted a faith and 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 I have had God experiences in my life so many, so many times and and for me my spiritual awakening has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger but there was also the part of myself because I'm human that there were some things that I thought I could take care of, of myself and I didn't think God needed to do them and I thought they were my job and so I kept trying to figure it out on myself and but even then in those experiences and all other areas of my life that I gave it over to God, I literally felt His hand on my head in my experience. I, I I literally had him give me words in difficult situations that I knew were not my own and I could share about that. And it wasn't until I was brought to a 12-step program through my church that I began, the, the next layer of scale started coming off my, my eyes and I, I reached, uh, I'm reaching and it's changing and it's evolving the spiritual experience for me Changes and evolves, and I'm, I'm, I'm. I get excited because I've had so many wonderful experiences. But living in the food has been my hell. It has been the monkey on my back, and I am, I am so grateful that the food is down. I am so grateful for all the roads that I that I've been taken on, and the different experiences that I've had, and that it gets better. It keeps getting better. And with that, i pass.
0: Thanks, Mary Kay. And Alexis, it's your turn. And then Suji. Hi, this is Alexis H. Can you hear me? We sure can. Go ahead, Alexis. Um,
11: this is my first time talking on the call, so I just thought I should say something. But um, I guess what I identified with in the reading this morning was... um. The hopelessness that the man felt when he was asking the doctor, you know, is there there no exception? Um, When I came into OA, I'd been in another 12-step program for years and had worked through the steps, but um, had kind of hit like a new bottom and was just absolutely filled with anxiety and depression. And I really identified with the parts in the big book that talk about kind of living in that self-centered fear um, I've had like a kind of a spiritual awakening before I came into recovery and um the important thing though is that that didn't like fix me that I have still had to just like work the steps and continue to live this spiritual life on a day to day basis and I can really identify with um now I can identify with like the educational variety of the spiritual awakenings because it's taken. It's just taken, like, daily practice, at, you know, feeling fear and then turning to my higher power and saying a prayer and focusing on what's the next right thing. Or feeling anxiety and instead, like, taking a moment to pause and take a deep breath and connect to my higher power. Like, I really feel like um, I've experienced more change through working 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis than having, like, some big, huge experience as a result of, you know, five or nine or something. And, um, yeah, I'm just... I'm really grateful, and thanks for listening.
0: Thank you, a lot. With that'll pass. Okay. And, Sue, it's your turn. Sue G.
12: Thank you. May I ask what paragraph we're supposed to be sharing on?
0: Uh, page 27, the third paragraph... Yes, replied the doctor. There is exceptions to cases such as yours.
12: Okay, not the last one that was read. Okay. Um, Yeah, I. Read. I'm sorry. What?
0: The last one that was read. Yes, not the last paragraph on the tape.
12: Upon hearing this.
0: No, not that paragraph. We haven't reached that paragraph yet.
12: Oh, okay. I thought (laughs) I'd read it ahead of time. I thought we'd gotten there. I'm sorry. this is Sue in Michigan. Um, Sue G. I had speaking from a religious point of view, which um, which is allowed because it's part of the spiritual experience. Um, I I had the religious uh, awakening, but I I it didn't it didn't work for me. I my ideas, my emotions, my attitudes all still had to be changed because I wasn't letting God wasn't letting God have all of me. Um yeah, I wanted to release weight. Um I wanted to be a better person, but it just didn't seem to be working. It just didn't seem to be working. And and I can relate to that. Is there no exception? You know, if if someone, you know, I I came into this program and um, and read we agnostics, and I thought, wow, you know, I'll have no problem with this. But I, I am having problems with this because for some reason, on a daily basis, I am not. Oh, I am not surrendering my whole, the steps to God. Um, I'm going to be going through the steps again because I've never really gone through them with with um, since I've come into Vision for You, And I want that vital spiritual experience that, that is way beyond um, that I've been slowly getting, but so slow that I that I can hardly <laughs> I can hardly be aware of it. And so um, I thank you for letting me share and. I'll wait till tomorrow to share on, on the paragraph that I thought I was going to share on. Thank you, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Suji. And Martha Z, would you read for us the last paragraph on page 27? Good morning. Hi, Sally. Can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead, Martha. Good
13: morning. Thank you for your service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctor's telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And I, I was just looking at that word "vital." I have, I have in parentheses, parentheses, important, indispensable necessary so he was pretty much saying that more than religion was required and I, I started thinking about the chapter seven working with others and the quote there is however deep his faith and knowledge he could not have applied it or he would not drink and then in the aa 12 and 12 in in step two it says it talks about the quality of faith rather than its quantity and um i I believed in God, but I I didn't, I didn't have any quantity or quality of faith. I mean, pretty much what I did is after a really bad day, I'd get on my knees at the end of the day and pray to God that I wouldn't wake up and do the same thing. So that was pretty much my way. I have worked with a lot of people who've had a lot of faith, and I very gently try to say to them, well, you've not been able to use this faith to apply to this area. Yeah. Anyway. I wanted to say something about change. We were talking yesterday about the same person will eat again, and that's what I heard in treatment. And I was willing to change because my way was so not working. And so what the change has kind of looked like is, um, in in the family afterwards, it it talks about giving becoming the guiding principle. And I see that shift. And I was a very negative person. I would... Think the worst, and then if if it you know if it was better, then I'd be delightfully surprised. But today, I actually focus on what's good, and my self reliance shifted to setting aside what I thought I knew shifted to God reliance. I learned how to let go of resentment and fear, but mostly letting go of being a victim and uh, blaming everybody else for everything that was happening and in the attitudes honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, humility, um, are, I'm striving for that, but I, when I first got married, I was in the program for a year and a half, and I really thought that change was bad, and I remember saying to my husband, promise me nothing will ever change, and we've been married for 37 and a half years, and almost everything has changed, but it's been, I've learned that change is good, and that I want change, and, um, Anyway, I was talking to somebody the other day about that and you know, I changed from never saying anything to being an equal partner. And what a lovely blessing my my daughter was talking the other day about her boyfriend and she said something like he she was talking about wanting to change certain things and he said, "Well, you're 30 years old. It's not likely you're going to change." And I said to her, she is in AA. I said to her, "You know, recovery is about change, you know, but it's not that we change we don't change ourselves, we, we kind of surrender the process and then our higher power decides what's going to change. But, but change is, everything is possible, you know, I, I believe. And I, I have changed so much, but, but my higher power has done the changing. I haven't done the changing. Anyway, thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Martha Z. We've got time for just one or two shares. Anyone like Sue to any about that? Rachel, Rachel, w. Rachel W. Rachel W. Rachel W. Or Sarah W. Rachel, Rachel. W. Okay, Rachel W. And, and Sue G. Sue G. Okay, Rachel W. And Sue G. Rachel, you'll be first. Go ahead. Okay, good morning, Sally. I'm just setting my timer. Good morning, everybody. This is Rachel W., um, Recover Compulsive, over to calling from New York. And, um, you know, talking about this vital spiritual experience, and it's been said before, but I know for me, what this program has really brought out for me is the idea that it's a continuous process that, um, you know, last week somebody on the line, I think, defined spirituality as the ability to sit alone with oneself. And, um, for me that 's what it is like can I sit alone and and allow the presence or allow something else to just take over and and that i don 't have to feel like i 'm in control am i am I comfortable within my own skin you know my mind body connection is it there so for me that's 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 that 's the um experience that I have to have every single day and um and the manifestation of that is in my actions like when i 'm choosing to pick up the steps to to, to handle any of the unmanageability on my life or, or just to, or, you know, um, uh, what's it called, like avoid almost unmanageability by living in 10, 11, 12. Um, but I also want to say, you know, I, I did not grow up a religious uh, person in a religious home, but I was always drawn towards something else. And I always did feel that there was a God. I just inherently felt this. and um, But for me, coming closer to my religion, um, you know, just just the idea of, you know, learning about it and, and know, um, finding out more and more about it you know what i discovered um you know after after i had gained 100 pounds and had a life of unmanageability i discovered that the the issue wasn't in wasn't in the uh you know the books or the or the you know the the teachings i was finding in the religion that i was going through um but rather whether or not all of those books and teachings were going through me. So in order for me to be a vessel that can receive any message from the universe, you know, within my own religion, I find these messages scattered everywhere. You know, I could find the truth all over the place. You know, if I'm, when I'm living in this reality, um, I can open myself to an existence where I can sense what's, what's true and what's real. And, and sometimes that means, very often that means to look at myself in the, in the harsh reality of how I've placed my, myself with a capital S into the center of things. And um, just recently I had an issue that I really was having a difficult time letting go of, and finally I, I threw up my hands. I said, God, you know, it's all yours. And I had to do a double take because the truth is it was his the whole time. <laughs> it was never mine to begin with. So I'm really so grateful for this process and how it just fleshes out and, and you know, really is such a cornerstone. These concepts are such a cornerstone in my life of, of working through these steps and, and bringing everything that it all clicks together, the whole experience. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. And is there someone who hasn't shared yet this morning who would like to share before we close the meeting today? Now's your chance. Mm-hmm. Iris G. Iris, okay. Go ahead, Iris. Hi, this is Iris T, Recovered Compulsor Eater from New
14: York. Um, I just want to share about two things. One is, you know, the feeling relieved. Um, I, you know, I was so happy when I found this eating disorders therapist and I went there for 11 years. And um, But, you know, every time I left there, you know, we'd sit there and say, um, okay, you know, why'd you eat it? Uh, were you hungry? You know, what were you feeling? Make a call. But then every time i leave there... And I would binge, you know. And then I remember one time I was there and she said to me, you know, and she had been in practice, I think, like 40 years. She said to me, I have never seen anybody of your type. And I remember that I felt so relieved and yet kind of hopeless, you know. And all I can say is that, um, you know, when I picked up the big book, I did have a spiritual experience because the food went down, and uh, with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Iris. And actually, we have time for one more share this morning. Renata, Renata, take it away. To be our final share.
15: Thank you, Sally. You know, this last paragraph brought up for me today was, you know, I, I had religion before coming to program, and I it had no effect with my disease and you know, it's because for me I couldn't apply like the good things and the good principles that I've learned in religion. I needed the practical program of action off the steps, to find a way to get rid of my resentment, my fears, my guilt, my shame, you know, because I would go and sit in church. And uh, and then go around in the world mad and angry, or take very impulsive decisions based decisions based on fear, or not taking deci- making decisions, not move through with any uh, actions in life because I was always paralyzed with fear. And you know, I walked around saying I believed in God, but whatever strong emotion strong feeling I had I would try to solve things my way you know and my solution was always the food and so it didn't matter that I went to church and that I said I believed in God my actions were the exact opposite you know so God could never solve my problems fast enough the food was you know a, a faster solution and that had to stop. You know, these steps showed me how to really empty myself of all the, the behaviors and uh, bad attitudes that were not working and then allowed me to start trusting and relying for real in a power greater than myself. And uh, and that's what, what allowed the, the psychic change to happen. I had to change. Just saying I believed in something was not enough. I needed to implement the the actions of the staff. With that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Renata, and thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164 followed by the Serenity Prayer, and I will ask Lisa H to please read A Vision for You, beginning with Our book is meant to be suggestive
2: only. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your service. Lisa H. um, recovered from Memphis. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come